listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. From the south stands to the end zone, you are Locked On Broncos here on Friday, February 7th, all across Broncos country. I hope you guys are having an amazing start to your day, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, but we got a great episode in store for you guys here on today's episode of Locked On Broncos. I'm your host of today's episode, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Follow the show as well, at Locked On Broncos. And you can add me to your cell phone contacts list and add your number into my contact list by adding me to your community. Join the hundreds of Broncos fans that are already texting me by adding your cell phone number to my contacts by texting me at 303-529-6323. I look forward to interacting with you when you decide to do that. Get in the action, get in the conversation with everybody in Broncos country, and we're going to also incorporate that on today's episode of the show. First off, we're going to talk about today. Pat Shermer was introduced yesterday as the team's next offensive coordinator at the UCL Training Center in Inglewood. Colorado by Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. Plus, we hear from Vic Fangio. He talks about him being aggressive as a coach and kind of competing against that narrative that he's not aggressive. He doesn't like to be aggressive. Plus, he provides a little bit of an insight on what he thinks is the best way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, we head to Periscope and we read Broncos fans' text messages that they sent me on my community number 303. 303- 529-6323. All on today's jam-packed episode of the show, which is brought to you by our good friends over there at Calm. I'll tell you about them a little bit later on as the show progresses. But ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the action here on today's episode of the show. Pat Shermer, the new offensive coordinator for the Broncos, was introduced yesterday in a press conference led by Vic Fangio, and he gave a lot of insight as to what his views were, the offensive philosophy, so on and so forth. But there are several key points he made in that press conference I wanted to share with you and share my reaction. Obviously, first off, he talked about the fact that the Giants, they were very high on Drew Locke last year leading up to the NFL draft. They ended up taking Daniel Jones due to that being an organizational decision. Here's what Pat Shermer had to say about Broncos quarterback Drew Locke and where the organization really viewed him heading up to the draft last year. And typically when you when you draft a quarterback high, those are organizational decisions. And, you know, at that time last year, the best decision or what we felt was best for the Giants was Daniel Jones. I will say this. We had a very, very high opinion of Drew Locke and we liked him a great deal. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities between the two players. They're young, talented players players that had very good college careers. Uh, Their skill sets are very similar. They can throw the ball well. They can move around well. Um, You saw flashes of really good football from both of them this year as they played as rookies. And so um, I'm very, very excited to be able to work with Drew Locke and really all the offensive players. Shermer alluded to the fact that the organization really had the control on who they were selecting. Obviously, Gettleman up there in New York, they were very keen on Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer, like Drew Locke. So, so now Shermer reunites, in a sense, with Drew Locke and is going to be able to work with him in 2020, which I think everybody is excited about. Uh, but one thing that I think Broncos fans are excited about that everybody's talking about, they're asking, uh, is the Broncos offense going to have any carryover from 2019? Are they still going to be using a little bit of that West Coast lingo? Well, Pat Shermer had his answer. Yeah, it'll be West Coast, and I think that's part of the process we're going through. Uh, there were many things last year I think they did well on offense here, but then there's also certainly there's certainly things that I believe in, and so um, I would say the nomenclature is very West Coast from my, my initial days with Andy Reid. 
Um, but um, we're going to do what we think is best for our players. Broncos fans want more shots down the football field. They want to see them take chances, not the dink and dump stuff, but really the dink and dunk will set up the big plays. And so some of that carryover from the West Coast style of offense and Pat Shermer, we noticed the New York Giants took a lot of shots down the field last year with Daniel Jones. You can expect him to do a lot of that with Drew Locke in 2020. Got to throw it down there. You know, I think that's how you do it. And I think we have some players that can that can be effective uh, and, and make plays and be productive with a deep ball. I, I think it's important that you do um, attack the defense down the field. And there are some games when they just teams won't won't, won't allow it, and so you got to do other things. But um, I think you have to challenge the defense, and one way to do it is to to do it downfield. And that's how you get points. That's how you move the ball. And and I know Coach and I both believe that that's something with the players that we have that we'll be able to do. Taking shots downfield, scoring more points. Some of the language that we have all been talking about all offseason long that the Broncos need to do a better job of in 2020, especially as they look to improve in terms of their points per game and their overall yards production. They got to be able to do some of these little things too. And as you mentioned, sometimes defenses don't allow you to always take the deep shots. So you got to make the most of your opportunities. We know the Broncos may look at some wide receiver options in the NFL draft. And certainly speed will open things up for guys like Cortland Sutton. And even those guys, even if they bring him in as rookies, Guys like Henry Ruggs, if he were one of those guys they want to plug in, or Jalen Rager, these guys would have opportunities down the field, and I think the Broncos would open things up with Drew Locke and with some of these weapons there, and obviously utilize maybe Noah Fant in the tight end screen game a little bit, similar to how the Giants utilize that with Evan Ingram. But one of the biggest questions I think Broncos fans have as well when it comes to this offense and Pat Shermer is, how are they going to try to get Phillip Lindsay incorporated as a receiver in the backfield? He didn't see too many attempts as a receiver this year in comparison to Royce Freeman. Well, Pat Shermer offered his thoughts on Philip Lindsay and what it takes for getting a running back involved in the passing department and what do they need to check on the boxes in order to be effective at it? Yeah, I think it is important for a runner to be able to catch. You know, there's three elements to playing running back. Number one, when you hand it to them, they got to have good vision, balance, body control, collision balance. They got to be able to run with the ball and score. You certainly need to be able to pass protect to protect the quarterback. And then, you know, if you can't catch the ball, out of the backfield or you can't have an impact in some way and it doesn't mean down the field but maybe it's a check down or something in the flat um, then it's then it's hard to be you know a, a full runner and you know I feel like he can do those things and we'll just as we get as I get to work with him and I get to talk with the offensive coaches more we'll find out what he can do and try to try to feature that. And the Broncos certainly hope to get Lindsey involved a little bit more in the passing game. Some of the areas where I felt Lindsey struggled in terms of not being utilized as much as a receiver, where sometimes I feel he was looking too far upfield before he'd have the ball in his hand, so it led to some drops and obviously some bad throws, bad placement by the quarterback to him. He never really got a true shot to be that receiving guy out of the backfield. Now, it was surprising because in 2018 at training camp, when you looked at him, uh, the Broncos were utilizing him. They were motioning him out to empty set, throwing him an outside screen. Uh, they didn't really do too much of that in the regular season, but he was a guy they wanted to mix and match in one-on-one situations. So it was crazy that they ended up going away from that um, a little bit. So that was definitely a baffling element uh, in terms of where the Broncos were with Lindsey and obviously with an experienced offensive coordinator and the coaching staff that has 
experience all across the board. I really believe that they're going to analyze how to plug in all these players, whether it be Lindsey, whether it be Royce Freeman, and see how they truly get a valued fit for what there can be in this type of offensive production and scheme under Pat Shermer. So the Broncos coaching staff, they're going to put it all in the hands of there. They're going to work and obviously they're going to get everything going once training camp rolls around mini camp, uh, spring practice and certain periods once the NFL moratorium period is over. They'll be able to talk to players a little bit more frequently. So looking forward to that. The Broncos offense seems to be in good hands with Pat Shermer. We're obviously going to look and wait and see for 2020 if they can improve in yards per game, third down, plus points per game, a big output, big production total there. That's where the Broncos need to change things. But ladies and gentlemen, we're also going to hear from Broncos head coach Vic Fangio coming up here in just a minute about the narrative that he's not aggressive. Plus, he gives a little bit of an insight as to how the Broncos could beat the Chiefs and what he and the coaches observed on film after taking a few weeks off and then coming back and then doing grading evaluations. But before we get to all that, I got to remind you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of Locked On Broncos. That's our good friends over there at Calm. And we talk a lot about physical fitness. I know for me, I love my physical fitness, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. And I'm talking about mental fitness. This is the Mamba mentality. And Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you can sleep better, you can have less stress, and you can perform at your best. Now, for LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine, as it is mine. I encourage you guys to get a lot of sleep. Uh, But LeBron says that getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and my mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you can get 40% off of a Calm premium membership. And with Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain falling on leaves and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. And for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. You can unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. So get started today at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. After introducing Pat Shermer at the press conference yesterday at the UCL Training Center, Broncos head coach Vic Fangio took some questions at the podium, and some of the things he talked about felt had some strong relevance to some of the biggest questions we have going into the offseason portion here. And one thing that Vic wanted to kind of pinpoint out there and, and kind of take a little bit of a jab at, which I love his little style of humor and the, the way that he can joke and, and fire off shots at people. Uh, you know, he's not really a guy that, that's going to be mean, but he, you know, he can take a joke and he can take some of the uh, uh, criticism. Uh, but one thing is that a lot of people have said that he's not necessarily that aggressive. And he kind of put a little bit of a shot to that as to where people think that he's not aggressive because he's a defensive head coach. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I like, you know, contrary to the uh, stereotype that's always out there, you know, defensive head coach, you know, wants to ground and pound and considers a pitch to the halfback a pass. You know, that's not me. Um I I like to be aggressive. And I will pinpoint this too. When I did my film series review, we did that with Joe Rouse. We concluded our final four weeks in yesterday's episode of Lockdown Broncos. But one thing I noticed on the film is when you look at how a defense lines up, you have your base defense and a 3-4 style defense, a nickel type defense. You got guys all over the place. You can disguise different things here. Now you may send your initial three guys, your defensive ends, your tackle, and then you may blitz a guy off the edge. So if you're blitzing a nickel off the edge, you're going to drop that outside backer to that side back into zone coverage to a hook to curl 
or a middle hook to curl type area. It really just depends on if there's one single receiver, if there's twins, if there's trips. You're not going to blitz really a nickel guy from the trip side unless you're going to roll over another guy, another safety over in coverage, or you're going to bump the inside linebacker over. Vic Fangio does a great job disguising his coverages, and I think a 3-4 style defense can be really predicated to slow down and maybe stop Kansas City a little bit for how they want to get things going. And somebody had told me on Reddit that one of the formulas they think that the Broncos could utilize to beat Kansas City comes from the fact that they should just drop everybody back into coverage and only rush two. I don't think that would work, uh, but I think in a 3-4 style defense, like I said, you can send your defensive end. Uh, you can even drop your defensive end into coverage and send another guy as a plug guy. Will that happen with Vic Fangio? No, absolutely not, but I do like the narrative that he does. He does send the nickel guy on blitzes quite a bit, and we saw in training camp, Chris Harris Jr., when he was lined up playing inside the nickel, where he wants to play in that slot. I mean, the Broncos were blitzing him, and he was getting there at practice every single time, and the Broncos did that with Will Parks towards the end of the 2019 season, and it it came up big time against the Oakland Raiders against Derek Carr. I mean, the pressure that Will Parks provided on Carr, I mean, he threw it in the dirt very quickly on third and short, and that's what the Broncos need. He's very aggressive. He finds ways to blitz, and when you think something is not aggressive, uh, he's actually very aggressive when you go back and you watch the game tape. So I think Broncos fans really get NFL game pass, watch the game a little bit more, and, and like I said, if you guys want to talk football, you guys want to understand what to look for, utilize me, reach out to me, DM me, or obviously text me at 303 5 Two nine six three two three and add me to your community. But uh, you know that's the thing, Broncos country. I think that Vic Fangio going into his second season as the Broncos head coach will have this angle to him. Will have this edge. He's a little bit more comfortable now. He he went through a whole year of going from being in the box to being on the sideline. I think he's got his adjustment. There were times where I thought he was calling a great game defensively. You factor in breakdowns and and, and mishaps and errors along those lines. Obviously that can come back to bite you in the tail. But uh, I think the Broncos their sights are set in terms of first competing in the division against Kansas City. And in order to do that, Vic Fangio kind of discussed, you know, how the Broncos might be able to compete against Kansas City going forward. And is it really that hard to stop them? Is it impossible to beat the offensive juggernaut that is KC led by Patrick Mahomes? Well, Vic Fangio has his thoughts on that. Right now, as we stand here today, and things change from year to year, you know, they're, they've lost eight games in the last two years. Okay? And... All of those games except one, the other team has scored 31 or more points, I believe. You know, so that paints a little picture there for you. The other game that they lost, the winning team only scored 19 points, but they ran the ball 45 times in that game. You know, so that was a different formula. So basically what Vic Fangio is discussing here is that there are a multitude of ways to beat a team like Kansas City. You have to score points. Obviously, that is one of the biggest things there. We've seen that they can score points so quickly with their style of offense and the weapons that they have. But you can also have, if you have an effective run game, you can run the ball 45 times and that can milk a lot of clock, a lot of time off the clock. And obviously, if you could score 19 points and run the ball 45 times, control the time of possession, limit the big plays that they have, have some defensive stops. And that's think the formula changes it's certainly a doable thing to slow them down but you also have to have the defensive weapons to be able to create a little bit of pressure on Patrick Mahomes and I think the Broncos are going to be very focused in free agency at creating a little bit of a blueprint on how to maybe stop Kansas City maybe how to compete with them and I look forward to it I think it's going to be the biggest challenge for them going into 2020 I think it's the biggest thing for me am I looking at it as an analyst ideally yes I would love the Broncos to get back to the 
playoffs, but I want to see them beat the Chiefs. I want to see them beat the guys in the division first and foremost before we focus on anything along the lines of that. So I think that's super important for us to discuss when it comes to where the Broncos sit in the AFC West. The Raiders are a tough team. The Chargers, a lot of questions with them with Philip Rivers no longer being the quarterback. You got to find a way to win the AFC West and then playoffs. We can talk about that, but let's not aim for the goal of let's just make the wild card just for the sake of saying, look, we're not going to win the division. Let's hope for you know the fifth or the sixth spot. I don't think that's how the Broncos view things, and that's not how Vic Fangio views things. Now, and speaking of viewing things, the Broncos, they took a little bit of a time at the end of the season, week 17. They took about three to four weeks off from going back and doing their instant grading and going back and reviewing the film on their players, their personnel, and they felt like it was a better move for them organizationally to get a better feel without as much emotional attachment or without it being so recent. You can see things a lot differently, and when I went through and watched film the second, the third time around from the 2019 season, I saw things so much more differently than the first time I saw it, than the game broadcast and the first film review after that. When you take some time and you go back and you watch a game, you see things differently than you've ever done it, and that's what the Broncos coaching staff and Vic Fangio said. So here's what Vic had to say regarding him and what his coaches saw in their evaluations. A couple of them said, you know, I thought this, but after watching the cut-ups and everything as a whole again, um, it really wasn't wasn't what I thought, both to the good or the bad, you know, and uh, also seeing some coaching errors to where, hey, we asked this guy to do this thing too much, you know, or didn't ask him to do it enough, should have done it more, which is part of the evaluation, you know, um, you have to help the players as much as you can. And I think it was beneficial. I think all the coaches liked that. I think John liked it. And, you know, this free agency doesn't start until middle of March. So we had plenty of time to do it that way. And I think it was the right way. A major key for Vic Fangio going into year number two, he learns a lot about himself as a head coach in comparison to being a defensive coordinator. With an experienced coaching staff, he really relies a lot on the feedback of some of his coaches. He puts that trust into them, and he doesn't overshadow or overstep. He lets his guys coach his players, his personnel, and he's definitely one of those team guys as a head coach. Broncos players absolutely love him. All the players I've spoken to, they love him. He's honest, and sometimes he can be brutally honest, uh, but they love the approach. They don't want a guy that, that comes off as a pushover, as soft, or will play favorites. Vic Fangio literally treats every single person, every player on their roster, the same, whether it's a practice squad guy or Von Miller. They get the same exact treatment. And I think for the Broncos, that was a big way of them winning the locker room and obviously changing things around and winning four of their last five games down the stretch of the regular season. It builds a bright picture for the future of the Denver Broncos. And Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, we're going to be answering fan text messages from community. You guys texted me at 3 303-529-6323. You added yourself to my contact list. You asked me Broncos questions, and I'm going to answer them coming up here in just a moment. We're going to do this live on Periscope as well at Cody Rourke NFL. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys, you got to check out the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Harrison Wynn, Adam Modest. I mean, the Nuggets had one of the most impressive wins in recent memory, in a long, long time. One of the best regular season wins in a long time with only seven players led by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, who just came back from an injury. Still wasn't 100%, but Jamal Murray fed Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, over 30 points, 20-plus assists, and 10 rebounds, a triple-double, and a big road win on the road against Utah Jazz, a place where they haven't won in a long time. Mike Malone has not won there as the Denver Nuggets head coach, and now they got some momentum. They got some new pieces, obviously trading away Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt, and getting some new pieces in. You can learn about those new faces and a Denver Nuggets uniform by listening to the Lockdown Nuggets podcast right after this. 
All right, Broncos country, I'm going to be utilizing the text thread so much more going forward here on the show by you guys obviously joining my community. I'm telling you, add yourself to my contact book. You can interact with me one-on-one. Join the hundreds of Broncos fans. I mean, we're approaching a thousand Broncos fans already that have gone into the text thread. I selected some of the best text messages that we got from our text thread at 303-529-6323 on community. And uh, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, let's break it down right here, right now on Lockdown Broncos on this beautiful Friday and our first text message comes from my friend Jesse Taylor. He says, hey, what's up with Demarcus Walker? I thought he was a steal in the second round of 2017. This last year, he seemed to be awesome anytime he was on the field. Does he just not get the system? Is it off the field issues? And Jesse, I'd say the biggest thing when it comes to Demarcus Walker, I mean, he had a phenomenal training camp for the Broncos. They viewed him very highly. Bill Kalar obviously loved him and they wanted to plug him in. Vic Fangio has a lot of high praise for him as well. Uh, the, the biggest thing with Demarcus Walker, he was a role player. And certainly he accepted that role alongside Draymond Jones, who emerged for the Broncos as a third round steal from Ohio State. He saw a lot of experience there, but Demarcus Walker... Anytime he was on the field, he did make plays happen, but he did experience an injury. I believe it was a shoulder issue, if I'm not mistaken, and that sidelined him for a variety of weeks. I believe it was four to five weeks overall where he he missed due to that, obviously being injured and then being placed on the inactive list. He he is a guy that I expect to take big strides in the year 2020, and I think really with the questions looming around Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf, whether or not they're going to be returning uh, to Denver or if it's going to be anybody, maybe one of the two are going to return to Denver. Certainly, the defensive end position needs some help, especially if they don't bring back someone like Adam Gotsis who tore his ACL and his contract is up. I think the Broncos are going to rely a lot on Demarcus Walker and Draymond Jones and either Derek Wolf or Shelby Harris, one of those two at the defensive end position, big time going into the 2020 season. So Jesse, thank you for texting me and obviously I appreciate interacting with you on text message every single day. I really, really appreciate that. And then we're going to go to our next question. It's from Curtis Jones via our text thread and he says, I want the Broncos to draft speed in the first round. Will there be an offensive lineman available later on in the third and fourth round? I think there's always going to be developmental pieces for this offensive line. I think with Mike Munchak and Pat Shermer, his offensive philosophy, I mean, he views uh, Mike Munchak in the same regard as he does as Mike Shula. And that's a big reason why they have this experienced staff on board. The Broncos offensive line is not as big of shambles, I think, as most people make it out to be. And I've been a big advocate of saying that based on watching the game film. I mean, that offensive line unit, they gelled together when they were healthy and they were able to make some good things happen despite the fact that they're dealing with some injuries to the right tackle position or sometimes to the center position with Connor McGovern and there was a stretch there was a couple weeks where both Dalton Reisner Connor McGovern and the right guard they had you know a back injury or they were ill or they were sick and they missed two days of practice but they still played the following week that was a little bit of a concern to me so they did a lot with less in my opinion and I think the biggest thing for the Broncos here they're probably going to take a look at some interior offensive line help and they may draft a tackle too, but I don't foresee that happening either in rounds three um, or three through seven. I think that's going to be the time frame we see a, a tackle drafted by the Broncos. I don't see it happening in rounds one or two, but the fact that the Broncos have multiple third round picks, you could see a tackle option in there. And certainly there's always some guys there. I got to do a little bit more digging on the offensive line class. Uh, there's certainly some guys. One guy to keep an eye on from Michigan is Ben Bredesen. He can help the Broncos at the interior offensive line position and can fluctuate a little bit. Maybe be one of those swing guys. 
So thank you, Curtis, for your text message. Now, our next one comes from Tyler Fenner. He says, I would like to see us draft some trench help in round one if one of the top defensive linemen or offensive line players are still available. Javon Kinlaw would be a dream, but I like the idea of drafting a tackle prospect that could swing inside and play at guard while we see how Bulls does this year. A player like Wirfs or Andrew Thomas that could play guard would be great. If those guys are gone, I'm perfectly good with Henry Ruggs or one of the other top receivers in this class. What is your top five realistic wish list for the Broncos to select in the first round? First off, I would go with wide receiver Henry Ruggs. It's one of my guys that I'm just hell-bent on, and this is no particular order. If I'm giving my top five, I'm going to go with Henry Ruggs from Alabama. Uh, CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. I believe those are some of my two favorite wide receivers in this year's NFL draft class. Derek Brown, I think on the defensive line position, if the Broncos were somehow able to get him, I mean, I think he's going to go top seven in this year's draft. A lot of people have been mocking him to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I would love him and his defense with Vic Fangio, Von Miller, and Bradley Chubb. I mean, he would be a four and it'd be the interior pressure that we talk about that the Broncos desperately need. Um, In terms of the secondary, Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. I love this guy. I think he's this year's best corner in the NFL draft. I think he's rangy. I think he's physical. He's got great ball skills. And I think he'd be a great guy to maybe step in and replace Chris Harris Jr. Not necessarily from a slot position, but I think he can grow and evolve to be a very productive player for the Broncos. Uh, He'd be my secondary selection. And then Javon Kinlaw from the interior defense lineman from South Carolina. I love this guy. I think he would also be a four on the defensive line. That would be my top five in no particular order. And I'm eager to hear your guys' top five. And I'm going to tweet that out, obviously, as our Lockdown Broncos thought of the day. What would be your top five prospects in no particular order? And you could pick any single one of them. You can take a look offense, defense. That's going to be the thing I want to ask of all you guys. So definitely, Tyler, thank you for your text message. It's definitely tough. But if that was my top five, uh, kind of a realistic wish list. I mean, the Broncos do have ammo if they want a guy that may go a little bit earlier than when they pick. They could use some of their draft capital to move up. I mean, anything is possible when it comes to the Broncos, especially with John Elway, where he's at uh, and everything else. So yes, I appreciate that. And then uh, Chris Leeper, he says, which Chris Harris, I mean, which Harris do you think the Broncos keep? I believe we lose them both. He says, John Elway hasn't won an offseason since the TJ Ward and a keep to leave thing. In terms of free agency, I think the Broncos have done fine. I know a lot of people are going to question the medical history of Juwan James and Bryce Callen. Them not playing in 2019 hardly ever uh, for James. James only 63 snaps for a guy like Callahan not playing at all. I mean, I get the frustration that Broncos fans have, but I think that John Elway's done a phenomenal job with the NFL draft the last two years, and and he has a chance to maybe knock this one out of the park as well, and arguably one of the most talented classes, top to bottom from offense and defensive positions, uh, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, corner. I I think that this is a very, very great NFL draft class that we're going to be having all across the board, and I think the Broncos hopefully can nail it out of the park there. Um, I do believe that in, in terms of Shelby Harris or Chris I think there is a possibility that both of them leave the Broncos. It's just my hunch that I have. Um, and I, and I'm, if I find out anything, if I let you guys know, I, you know, I'll shoot out a text. I'll let you guys know. I'll, to- I'll post it on the Twitter sphere. Um, but I, outside of that, I think that uh, Chris Harris Jr. is going to get some top money from some team. A, a contending team is going to pay him big bucks. Could be San Francisco, in my opinion. I could see them making that type of move, him and Richard Sherman. Uh, but then again, like with the Kayla Willis- Witherspoon that they have over there, I don't know if they want to go and replace some of those young guys that they do have that are playing really well in that second 
secondary. So a lot of things to maybe keep into consideration. I think Shelby Harris is going to command some big money. I think probably more than what the Broncos will want to pay him, which is a bummer because I love Shelby Harris. Obviously a great dude on and off the football field. I've really enjoyed my interactions with him, uh, but I don't know. I think he's going to get some big money with Drew Rosenhaus being his agent, and uh, certainly I'm not I'm not mad at that. I'm happy for Shelby, um, and if he gets a contract somewhere, then I will support him and still watch him and and praise him and, and you know just follow where he plays. But uh, yeah, definitely I don't you know think there's a chance the Broncos lose both of those guys. Uh, Chris Noel, he says, "What's good, Cody? My name's Chris, longtime listener of your show, and love the content. I appreciate that, man. Much love uh, means the world to me." He says, "With Denver playing in the best tight end division in the league, do you think it's under it's being understated that we need a speed inside linebacker to cover those guys one on one?" Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller had a field day against Denver, and I don't see the solution currently on roster. Do you think we would be more successful against those guys if we played more man coverage? I mean, you you can be successful if you play man coverage, but then again, against a team like Kansas City, if we're talking about Travis Kelsey, the other speed elements, you're asking a lot of your other cover guys to play man coverage against some of the fastest dudes in the National Football League. Sure, you can maybe lock up a, a tight end solution in terms of there. It's easier to cover a tight end than it is cover speedy wide receivers. Travis Kelsey's very elusive as a big tight end. Um, he finds really good spots to sit against zone defense and he makes guys miss on man coverage. He gets them to, you know, maybe bite or pick a side and, you know, he'll jab step inside and release outside. I mean, he does all these things really well from a tight end position. I think the Broncos might have a little bit of a solution. Though. I think Will Parks really took some strides in growing as a cover guy. He did pretty good against Darren Waller in coverage when he was going up against him against the Oakland Raiders, especially in that week 17 game. Uh, don't discount the fact that the Broncos in their nickel package, I think, have more coverage options to be able to slow down tight ends than we've seen in prior years. And I think that Alexander Johnson could do a good job in coverage. Um, I think a lot of times, though, the Broncos' issue was they would find themselves in zone coverage and teams would try to game plan to get them in a cover three. They'd like to run that over route and get guys behind the defense. Um, and that's just the, one of those things, those clear out routes. And that's definitely tough. I think the Broncos um, could have some success if they go a little bit more man coverage, but the Broncos do run a lot of man coverage. So it, it, it's kind of confusing. Okay. And they'll run zone coverage to one side of the field. They'll run man coverage on the other side of the field. And they have different types of rules and landmarks. If they motion out to twins, if they go out in empty formation, they have checks and automatics that they got to check into. And it changes the coverage calls all across the board. So definitely an interesting angle for the Broncos uh, there. Uh, but Chris, I thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, much love. Thank you for texting me on my community number. I appreciate that. That's 303-529-6323. And you guys can text me as well and talk, talk football, talk live, talk whatever. I appreciate you guys. And our final question we got coming up here is Justin Hurd on Twitter. He's 5280 NFL. He says, for Periscope, David Johnson, if the Arizona Cardinals release him and the Broncos can get him at a good price, do you get him for the third down back if you can spend that or theoretic money there instead or draft Anthony McFarland in the fourth or double down on Riddick? That's a really tough one because I, I do... I, I do look at the angle. If Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, and a guy like David Johnson uh, were all on the same backfield for the Broncos, I mean, they would have a running back by committee approach that I think could be one of the best in the National Football League in terms of what they can bring to the table. And I get the idea of a pass catching running back. David Johnson could be a pass catching running back for the Broncos. He could be very good at it, too. Um, some of the concerns he's had over the course of his years, some injuries. Um, Arizona, obviously, going in a new direction. They're very young, led by Kyler Murray. Uh, I just don't see if David Johnson fits into 
into their plans there with their general manager and everything they got going on in Arizona. Um, I'd be very intrigued to see what things could look like if David Johnson were to be available to a point where he could become a Denver Bronco. I mean, on paper, I think it looks like a good move. Uh, but you also have to discount the fact, too, what would the Broncos look like with Theo Riddick? I mean, he is another element. You can line up in the slot. Uh, it's just all these what-if games that we could play. Um, but outside of that, I would definitely be okay with David Johnson. And I would really like the fact that if the Broncos were to look at Theo Riddick as well, give him a chance in 2020, I would be all for it. So Justin, thank you so much for your text message here on our Denver Broncos community interaction portion of Lockdown Broncos. It is Friday. I hope you guys all have an amazing rest of your day. I got to tell you guys, we got a really, really big uh, series coming for you guys here next week. Lockdown Broncos, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It is a crossover episode every single day with the AFC West. On Monday, it's going to be myself talking with Ryan Tracy, host of the Lockdown Chiefs podcast, and then me interacting afterwards with the guys of Lockdown Chargers and Lockdown Raiders. So you're going to hear Daniel Wade, you're going to hear your boy Q and me. We're going to be discussing the AFC West, every team, the expectations, what these teams have to look at going forward. It's going to be a jam-packed week on Valentine's Week. Locked on Broncos, our ultimate division crossover. And you have an opportunity to ask some of these opposing teams, Q, Daniel Wade, and obviously the Chargers guys, some questions. So tweet me your questions at Cody Rourke NFL or text me at 303-529-6323. I look forward to interacting with you guys ever so much more. And don't forget to uh, stay locked in the Locked on Broncos. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Broncos. Like us on Facebook and uh, interact with us there. And plus, you guys can catch me at Cody Rourke, NFL Broncos Country. It's been real. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll see you Monday for a brand new episode of Locked on Broncos.